Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. In this episode, we are sitting down with Chantelle Bernier, who will be discussing the top five things every privacy officer needs to know about the CPPA. Chantelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kelly. Chantelle leads Denton's Canadian Privacy and Cybersecurity Practice Group, advising leading edge national and international companies as they expand into Canada and Europe. From the e-commerce space to rolling out data-based market initiatives. Chantel, there's been a lot of discussion recently about the newly proposed Canadian Privacy Protection Act. So what do you think are the top five things privacy officers of businesses need to know? So thank you, Carl. I'm going to answer your question, both in relation to substance and process. Substance, obviously, I'm going to rely upon the most impactful, in my view, provisions of CPPA. But in relation to process, I'm going to answer you on the basis of the lessons I have learned from an audit that Dentons did for a global organization, not on whether they were compliant with their regulatory framework or not, but whether they had the right processes to be compliant with any new regulation that would come upon them meaning did they have agility in compliance? And I've learned such precious lessons there that are so helpful here that I'd like to integrate them to my reply to you. So the first thing that a CPO should do right now is assess the operational impact of the CPPA on the organization. It will be different depending on the organization's business model, its exposure to the use of personal information, or its current gaps with what the CPPA will or may ask for. So it is very important, first of all, for the CPO to assess, okay, what does that mean for us? Prioritize the tasks that need to be taken to meet the compliance requirements and develop a work plan on how to address it. The second thing the CPO should do is provide early warning to the C-suite, meaning sitting down with the CEO and the rest of the C-suite and brief them on what's coming down and how it's going to impact the organization and get engagement from the C-suite, meaning not only being backed in the support to actually implement the requirements of CPPA, but also get funding for the financial and human resources that will be necessary to actually implement. The third thing a CPO should do is then mobilize the organization to effect those necessary changes. 
I believe what the CPO should do then is constitute a working group um, that will be composed of the various um, areas of the organization being product development, marketing, uh, obviously IT, human resources. If it is a federally regulated organization, as you know, CPPA will also apply to its employees. So bringing together all of the operational clusters of the organization so that what needs to be done to meet CCPA requirements is actually operationally feasible and ideal for the organization. The fourth thing the CPO should do is monitor CPPA legislative process because it is about to go to the House of Commons Standing Committee on Access to Information, Privacy and Ethics. It may very well not come out of that process the way it is written now. We already have seen through so many statements in the press, through literature from many areas in industry, there will be provisions that will be very strongly opposed and that are actually quite vulnerable to being modified. So the CPO should make sure that um, the organization does not prepare for a provision that will never see the light of day. For example, um, we already have seen that opposition to restricting the use of de-identified information is going to be vehemently opposed and with very solid grounding and in very broadly supported in favor of actually removing that restriction. So that's something where the CPO should be really just watching before acting. Another one is how restrictive uh, the implied consent would be. That too, industry has already indicated how strongly it will ask for modification to these provisions. So all this to say that at the same time as the CPO really prepares the organization for the changes that will have to be implemented, it should also never lose sight of what is most likely to be adopted and what actually should be put on the back burner as having less of a chance of survival of the legislative process. And finally, and this is where I move to substance, what is it that substantively the CPO should first address? And I would say governance, just build the foundations for compliance before anything else. That means developing a breach response program says, why do I speak of breach response before anything else? It's because of the penalties that are now uh, proposed for breach. And those are provisions that actually we can expect to come into force pretty much as is. So it will be very important for the CPO to prepare the organization for having a clear, well-organized response to a breach where accountability is very clearly distributed organization with an escalation process that makes it also very easy to implement for the staff who first see an irregularity to alert IT for IT if they feel that indeed there is a breach to alert whether the organization feels is best to be alerted at this point, 
then for engage a response team if there is personal data involved of course you need to have the criteria to establish real risk of significant harm so you see what i mean all the steps must be very well understood by the whole organization to react properly what's the outcome the outcome is first of all that there's a very good chance that they will mitigate harm because they will have reacted so quickly and therefore could uh, not have to notify, not have to report to the OPC. I mean, that is huge. But even if there is harm, they will have the possibility to demonstrate due diligence, how well they've reacted. And we see in the wording of CPPA that that would be a factor both to um, show some leniency in relation to attributing uh, responsibility, but also for determining a penalty, as the case may be. And then the second um, foundation for the compliance uh, process is really the management framework for privacy compliance. Having a very clear um, structure for compliance within the organization. That starts with staff. Every single employee must be aware of the obligations of the organization, must be aware of the policies of the organization, and must be aware of how staff are truly the first line of defense. One level up, the supervisors must make sure that staff understand and comply with the policies. Then the CPO must make sure that uh, the policies are properly implemented. And then we have the CEO, who should require to have regular reports from a CPO on how to um, implement follow-up, is it going well, are we compliant, to then brief the board, because the board must also uh, be vigilant because it is now a central risk to the organization. So those would be, for me, the uh, five priorities for the CPO, which in short, I would summarize as develop a work plan, get your C-suite behind you to implement it, and then socialize it through the organization to make it happen. Chantal, as a former regulator yourself, I wonder if you can speak more broadly about the benefits from the regulator, regulator's perspective organizations who've sort of engaged in what you've just described, whether it's a privacy audit or otherwise, and, and the, the types of CPOs that you've seen who've, who've gone through this process? Yes, absolutely. So I can tell you that um, when uh, we would receive, and it's still the case now because the test has not changed, but I can tell you, for example, we would look at how quickly did the organization react? So if you look at a breach report to the OPC, you still see, right? It says, when did you detect the breach? When did it occur? When did you do this? So time is of the essence. So that was the first thing we'd look at. How long did it take the organization to actually react? Secondly, we would look at, as a matter of accountability, how well organized were they to comply with the act? Because, as you know, it's not suffering a breach that puts you in contravention of the act. It's suffering a breach because you have not implemented the safeguards appropriate to the sensitivity of the organization. 
So from the regulator's point of view, we give a lot of importance, critical importance to due diligence. And that due diligence is obviously demonstrated through the privacy program. In fact, um, you may recall that in 2013, myself and Liz Demenem, who was then the BC Privacy Commissioner and um, the current Alberta um, Privacy Commissioner, Information Privacy Commissioner, we developed, um, and it's still on the website, a document called uh, Getting Accountability Right. And that is truly on the how to build a privacy program. Since CPPA essentially reproduces uh, Section Schedule 1 of PIPEDA in relation to a privacy program, that document is still totally relevant. And uh, if CPOs want to use that, it is a really a step-by-step to create a privacy program in the organization. And it comes from free regulators. So of course, it's uh, a good uh, sense of how they will be judged should they have to be uh, appearing before regulators. Great, that's a great top five, Chantal. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series.